Point Publisher and Editor-in-Chief of Business in Vancouver. Welcome to BIV Today. A new poll for us at BIV and Glacier Media points to an exceptionally tight election race in British Columbia. There are several factors that might make the difference, and we're going to take a look at the results of the poll and the implications with Mario Canseco, President of Research Co., the public research firm that conducted the poll. We talk to him regularly to get a bit of a gauge on the country and on the community. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Well, this looked like a couple of weeks ago as if it was slipping away from Justin Trudeau and that Aaron O'Toole was coming on. What are your numbers telling you today? Well, we see the resiliency of the liberal base. You know, roughly a third of decided voters who want to stay with the Liberal Party. Uh, They're up one point from our last survey a couple of weeks ago. The drop is really for the Conservatives and the NDP. And it also coincides with a little bit of a shift of voters towards the People's Party. So in essence, it's not really a lot of movement. There hasn't really been anything remarkable over the past two weeks that would move one of the parties really far away from the other one. Uh, But it certainly suggests that uh, if this was looking at a situation where at this stage, the Conservatives would be ahead by a couple of points, it certainly has backfired. Yeah, uh, backfiring and uh, the debates often prove to be uh, an inflection point for all the parties uh, in these things, because this is where we really get the best possible look over the most amount of time for them. But uh, there is no imminent bump here. No, not at all. I think part of what is happening, especially when you look at the numbers when it comes to the leaders' ratings, we don't see anybody gaining or losing more than a couple of points. So a lot of these ideas that we have really had for a while for the leaders didn't really change with the debates. I think we saw what happens many times. People who came in, they're supporting a specific party or leader, emerge from the debates assuming that they did better than the rest. And there really wasn't an opportunity for those who really had a lot to gain. Erin O'Toole did not move that much. He's actually down a couple of points. Uh, it's not really working as far as the type of, of emotional connection that he wanted to establish with the voters during the uh, televised meetings. And the other one that is a big disappointment in a way when it comes to the numbers is enemy poll. Uh, we have the Green Party now lower than it's ever been in this century. So it's definitely not a good situation, aside from the fact that they're not running a full slate. But this could be a historic election for the Greens for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, the draining of the votes um, it, at the beginning of the campaign, you could see uh, the votes were draining from the Liberals to the NDP. So, you know, we haven't talked about the NDP and what its fortunes are like right now. What, what do you perceive here? Well, we've seen this happen over other elections. If we go back to the first couple of, couple of uh, times, Jack Layton was the leader of the NDP. You know, they do very well. They start to climb the charts, getting closer to 20%. And then there's always a drop in the end. And we're starting to see the start of that drop now. Uh, they're at 20%, which is great for them. They got 16 the last time. But it's certainly not the situation that they envisioned where they would probably be in the middle 20s and maybe fighting a little bit more. Uh, Part of the problem is Quebec. Uh, There hasn't really been an opportunity to connect with voters in Quebec. And this is an area where they did very well under Jack Layton and Tom Mulcair. Um, It's essentially a very regionalized party. They do very well in in, in Metro Vancouver, very well in other areas of BC. But we haven't really seen that movement in other parts of the country, especially Ontario, where they're a distant third. So it's really tough to tell what is going to be happening if the voter in BC heads to election day thinking that they are going to be choosing the color of the government. Are you going to see people who are right now saying that they'll vote for the NDP, look at the Liberals and give them a second chance? 
Yeah. Where are the liberals in British Columbia at the moment, though? Well, it's a very tight race. I think this is really something that is quite remarkable. You know, we don't have one of the three parties doing very poorly. I think if we go back to the election of 2011, that is exactly what happened. We had the liberals down to the teens, uh, which is uh, something that is unfathomable right now. Uh, I think part of the situation here is we see the likability for Jagmeet Singh and we see a little bit of a situation where the BC NDP voter provincially is looking at the federal NDP as an option, but it ultimately comes down to the pandemic. You know, we do see a high level of satisfaction with the way Justin Trudeau has managed this. And there is nobody else emerging as a better manager of the pandemic than he is. So that voter could actually look at the liberals and say, if I want to essentially not allow uh, Erin O'Toole to become the next prime minister, we might as well vote liberal. How seriously... Uh, of impact has been the campaigning by these leaders and and the timing of their ascension in the in terms of the campaign did Aaron O'Toole peak too soon it certainly looks that way and I think part of it had nothing to do with the campaign uh, you look at the early stages you look at the video that nobody talks about anymore that they published a couple of days before the election uh, with the Willy Wonka scenes. Um, nobody's talking about that right now because what really defined the first uh, stage of the campaign was Afghanistan. You know, it was a situation where Justin Trudeau looked at somebody who wasn't really properly prepared, uh, where suddenly Erin O'Toole is a former soldier who knows how to do things, and that definitely helps them climb the charts. The problem is they haven't been able to establish that emotional connection on any of the other issues. They're not climbing on healthcare. He is seen as a better manager of the economy and jobs, but this is consistent with other conservative leaders in the past. Um, he's not connecting on the housing file, which is crucial in the GTA and in Metro Vancouver. So you're not winning the big battles. You might be doing well on foreign policy, but that is the number one issue for 1% of people. So it's not going to help you win. And in terms of uh, the handling of the economy, Mario, uh, we're in a time right now where the government is handling the economy in large measure for us. We're still, we're still receiving, in a lot of cases, support directly from government. So is that really the, the critical economic question for Canadians at the moment, and less so about, say, the long-range financial outlook for the country, or, the, or as Justin Trudeau has, has uh, mimicked it a little bit, our monetary policy? <laughs> well, it's definitely a different scenario than what we saw in campaigns in the past. This was a province where the BC Liberal leaders, whoever they were, and the Conservative leaders, whoever they were, would show up and say, no deficits, frugal spending, we're not going to tax you to death. And we don't see that type of situation now. I think people realize the magnitude of the recovery that we're going to be facing. And it certainly helps to look into specific things that they want to do. Uh, I think the federal conservatives had a brilliant strategy of starting to talk about specific things that would work, trying to establish that connection by urging people to go to dinner, by urging people to do things differently. It helps, um, but it, it's definitely different from the grandiose ideas of the past, where they would essentially say no deficits. You know, people have grown... Uh, a little bit tired of that situation because they know it's impossible right now to go out there and to promise that you're not going to spend. Yeah. A couple of things that uh, have surprised me about uh, the conservative campaign, of course, has been the positioning around a couple of areas, uh, climate change for one and uh, labor unions for the other. And yet 
Um, and as much as these policies have been put forward and they appear to have credibility, um, Aaron O'Toole hasn't been surrounded by either um, environmentalists or by uh, labor leaders in this campaign. It's been kind of surprising that if you're going to stake so much of a change in policy on, on two particular areas, that you don't have champions out there with you. Well, and it's ultimately part of the problem with appealing to everybody. Uh, that happens and that can make your pro-union voter very upset because you're, because you're uh, essentially having a different way of looking at the environment and it can happen the other way around. What is missing in a way is the star candidate. You know, they needed somebody with an environmental background to run on a specific writing, somebody with a labor background to be their champion and somebody they could go to the writing and talk about. Uh, I think that's definitely missing. Part of it is the fact that we're heading into an election that a lot of people were not really ready for. And that definitely plays a role in the way this is going. But on the environment, I think there's one thing that is crucial here. You know, he is connecting on that file in a way better uh, situation than what Andrew Scheer had and what Stephen Harper had. You know, he's essentially in the teens, almost 20% of people who say, I like the environmental plan that the conservatives have put forward. You know, he's actually ranked higher than, than Anami Paul on this question, which is something that would have been unthinkable when you had Stephen Harper and Elizabeth May in the same question. So he is connecting. I think part of the problem is, is that connection making other people say, no, he's talking about this issue in a way that I'm not happy with, and maybe I'll give the People's Party a second look. Yeah, a um, couple of other areas. Uh, of course, tomorrow uh, is the official release of the book from uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, the former Trudeau justice minister who became quite disaffected, left the party, moved on as an independent MP, now, of course, isn't running. Um, she has stirred up again uh, through this book, the SNC-Lavalin issue. Uh, Justin Trudeau has uh, dodged this for the last couple of days and tried to push, uh, push it all aside, uh, denied her claims that he uh, wanted her to lie about the issue in order to, uh, uh, you know, uh, keep people away from thinking that she had been pressured to defer prosecution of SNC-Lavalin. Um, long question, but um, short you know, short final part of it, um, will it matter? I think a lot of people have already made up their minds on how they feel about this particular scandal. You know, they may be ready to vote for the liberals in spite of it, or they are going to be very happy uh, to read what Jody Wilson-Raybould has to say. I mean, she was one of the major protagonists of the debate. If you had Jody Wilson-Raybould on your drinking card, you would have missed the second half of that debate by far. Yeah. Now, the weekend was interesting because there was a tweet where she was welcoming Jokmit Singh to her riding. Uh, that is as close to an endorsement as you can get. And the other thing that is quite fascinating to me is that Justin Trudeau was in Metro Vancouver today and we did not see the candidate from Vancouver Granville. So it's definitely yeah. not the same situation that we had a couple of years ago where the liberals came in hard and said, we need to defeat the former justice minister. I don't think they're spending as much time or money in this particular writing because in other circumstances, you would have that person next to the prime minister. Yeah. Last, uh, last point, and it's not something that's necessarily in your poll today, but, uh, but you have been able to get a gauge from Canadians about leadership. If Justin Trudeau simply regains his minority, can he stay? 
Well, this is the big question. Uh, just how much of a minority are we talking about? If they get five, six, seven, eight more seats, or if they get a, a maybe fewer seats, but can form a government with the support of the NDP, what is this going to mean in the grand scheme of things? I think an example of this would be what happened in the United Kingdom when the conservatives had to uh, deal with the liberal Democrats to form the government. And in the next election, they did remarkably well and the liberal Democrats were decimated. So this could be one of the situations that we have at our disposal. Can you sustain this and say, well, you wanted me to continue to be the person who leads us through this pandemic, but is there going to be pressure within the Liberal Party to say we cannot be in a situation where in the middle of the pandemic we have the highest satisfaction rating that has ever been seen and we end up in an election where we get a minority government? So the pressure is going to start there. And I think it's going to look if it gets really bad, which it can. It's the Liberal Party of Canada and it is known for this type of situation. It's going to look quite possibly like the final stages of the Jankretian leadership and the fight with Paul Martin. It's going to be ugly, and we're going to be there to watch it. Yeah, and it could last uh, you know 12 to 18 months before anything really starts to uh, come to fruition. So that's a very long time for Justin Trudeau to reestablish himself uh, in a credible way with the broad swath of his party that, after all, um, he called this election just before a lot of his 2015 newbie MPs were about to get their pension uh, by in, in late October. Some of those people will not be getting their pensions uh, as a result of the result next Monday. Well, and, and one of the other things that is quite interesting, we go back to the 2015 campaign and it was all about unity, you know, Sony ways, I'm going to be the person to unite the country. There's more than unites us than what separates us. Uh, the last couple of days have been us against them. And them in this case have been the anti-vaxxers, the people who are essentially protesting everything that the government has been doing. Sometimes you need an enemy to be able to sustain the momentum in a campaign. And in this case, it hasn't been Erin O'Toole. It's not Jagmeet Singh. It's uh, the angry crowd that is upset with the concept of the vaccine passport. So it helps, but it's definitely a different Justin Trudeau than the one many Canadians were happy with back in 2015. And you can see, though, there, there is um, a different dynamic with, uh, with he and Jagmeet Singh this election than there was in 2019. They're much more inclined to take the gloves off with each other for the time being. For the time being. And it's definitely necessary. I think there will be an opportunity if the election ends up in a minority mandate where Jagmeet Singh is going to set specific conditions for what needs to happen. And we go back to other elections in the past where the next morning we're wondering if it's if it's time for a merger of the Liberals and the New Democrats. I don't think those questions are going to go away, uh, partly because, you know, they might need each other and, you know, they, they are going to have to shake hands and essentially figure out what to do afterwards. Yeah. Uh, last question. Is there anything you think that Aaron O'Toole will be able to do this week in order to uh, tip the scale again and put him back in the position that he was only about a week or so ago as the, the likely person to form a minority government. He needs to sell a vision of the country that is attractive and appealing to women and young voters. What I see from the survey that we conducted this week 
is that uh, you have a lot of households where people are going to cancel each other out. Middle-aged and over 55 voters saying we're sticking with, uh, so, in, in, who are essentially uh, torn. Um, women saying uh, that they want to vote for Trudeau, they want to stick with somebody who handled the COVID-19 pandemic very well, and men certainly looking at the conservatives as an option, unless he connects with women and younger voters, which is more complicated because younger voters tend to be more center-left minded. But he needs to make sure that some of those women who are voting are going to cast a ballot for the conservatives. He needs to close the deal with the gender gap that we're seeing right now. Not only can you not form a government, uh, it's impossible to make this a competitive race. Yeah. Mario, always good talking to you. See you again. My pleasure. All done in all this. Yeah. <laughs> we still have a week to go. Yeah. Mario Canseco is president of Research Co. It's public opinion firm that uh, we, we use here at BIV and at Glacier uh, to conduct election polls, in this case here, which is out today. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief at BIV. Thanks a lot for watching.